You know, Jesus warned us that in the end times, deception like a virus will spread like wildfire. Disguised as the answer to all our problems, our secular culture can only offer replacements to the truth. The good news is that the truth of the Bible is the cure. In Pastor Jack Hibbs' new book called Living in the Days of Deception, he reveals the antidote to the lies we're told that have become increasingly harder to detect. From the inspiring foreword written by Mike Pompeo to the final chapters, Pastor Jack exposes how to combat deceptive spirits and equips us when we're deceived by the ultimate liar, Satan himself. Living in the Days of Deception by Jack Hibbs is a powerful must-read, and when you order, you can bundle by getting the DVDs and a downloadable link for a gift of any amount at jackhibbs.com radio. That's jackhibbs.com radio. Real Life presents the Jack Hibbs Podcast with intention and boldness to proclaim truth, equip the saints, and impact our culture. Hey everybody, we are going to be doing something right now that is all my fault. If it fails, it would be God's idea if it works. And that is, we're going to be doing the shotgun episodes. You guys having sent us questions, I've not seen the questions, only our production team, they've seen the questions, it's unrehearsed, it's raw, and uh, I've got 60 seconds to answer the question the best I can, and then we'll be moving on. I probably bit off more than what I could chew, but um, I had this idea, uh, and again, if it flops, it's on me. If it blesses you, then it's on God. You can get the outlines of this podcast by going to jackhibbs.com slash podcast. Today, if this podcast lifts you up and encourages you to live a more fulfilled life in Christ, then make sure you leave us one of those five-star ratings. To us, that's like saying amen or yes. Then that rating will encourage others to listen. Now open your hearts to what God's Word has to say to you. Here is Jack Hibbs. So... I don't know what's coming up. I don't know what the questions are. Um, At least one of you know (laughs) out there because these questions have come from you. And so um, we're going to do, as promised, the one-minute answer. So ready? Three, two, one, question. What is your morning routine? What is my morning routine? My morning routine is about 4 a.m. 4 a.m. is the time when you get up, and uh, from 4 a.m. to about 6.30, the world is perfect, quiet. Uh, The ability to focus and pray uh, is so crystal clear. I have to tell you that after after that time period, my day uh, is just doing it's just doing from about seven o'clock on. It's just doing from four to six thirty. It's just God time. I might read a book. I might read a uh, that is a, a book of the Bible. I might sit in the dark and do nothing but think about Him. I might sing Him a song. I might pray, um, but I I just spend that time. And I know that when I do that, then everything else for the rest of the day, I don't worry about it. No matter what happens, I don't worry about it. Four a.m. Uh, you see, Jack, 4 a.m., you're going to go to bed early. Yep, you're going to wind up that that's just going to happen. Oh, man, I got three seconds left. So do it and see what happens. Do it for 30 days. All right. All right. Cremation. Cremation. 
Biblical, uh, what's your thought? Okay, start the clock. Cremation. Uh, cremation doesn't matter to God for this one reason. Number one, there are many who have perished by way of fire. Tragically, we're doing this right now just a few days after the horrific fires of Lahaina in Maui. And believers burned to death, sad to say. Worse to say that unbelievers burned to death. But cremation is something that when a believer is burned to death in a car or burned to death in a home, uh, what's the problem? There is no problem to God. Ashes to ashes, dust to dust. Listen, wh- wh- what, what burning or cremation does in about 33 minutes, uh, the earth does to us in a casket in about 35 years. Uh, so it's not a factor. However, it is a factor based upon your, your convictions. It's personal. It's personal. So don't be bound by any religious mandate that that's what you have to do, uh, no matter what anybody says, because believers get burnt. Next question. Next question. Why did God create the whole universe if he only used it for us? Why did God create the whole universe if he just used it for us? I have no idea. Uh, All he does is he tells us in the Bible to go outside and look at it and praise him and give him all the glory. However, I will add that God knew that in the 21st century we would have deep space technologies to take uh, Uh, telescopes like the Hubble, and I forget the name of the newest one that replaced the Hubble, and look deeper. The deeper we look into space, we learn a lot about, number one, space is a lot younger than we thought. Scientifically, it's younger than we thought. And also, it's much more beautiful than what we thought by looking out. So science has led us to see God's creation. And I think it's um, Psalm 19 where it announces to us uh, that the heavens give glory to God. and um, But by all means, uh, Christ died on this planet, which means we are the ones that he's focused on, and he loves you, and he loves us. Next question. Are there still prophets today? Do you have any scriptures to back it up? There are not prophets today as there were in the Old Testament. Why? The book of Hebrews says, no way, chapter 1. Jesus is the last voice that God has given when it comes to uh, prophetic revelation. Prophetic revelation. But you might say, but Jack, in the Bible, New Testament, there's the gift of prophet or prophecy. That's correct. The word means a heralder. There are those who herald forth the word of God. So, for example, under the office of prophet, it could be a pastor, teacher who operates in the prophetic sense. There could be an evangelist like Billy Graham or Greg Laurie who operates in the prophetic sense. But there are no prophets today that for tell the future. There are prophets today in the New Testament church that forth tell the word of God. So don't let anybody tell you, God's called me to be a prophet. I had this happen to me last night. Some prophet tried to tell me what I'm supposed to do next when God already told me in the Bible what I should do. So don't let anybody fool you. If God is a God of love, then how come people are sick, dying, and there's so much terrible destruction happening? If God is a God of love, why is there so much junk going on in this world? Because he's the God of love. Watch this, number one. Because he's the God of love, you know that what you see is wrong. It's wrong to see a baby born to die. It's wrong to see accidents, murder, mayhem, violence, evil, sickness. You know what's wrong, don't you? The reason why you know it's wrong is because you know what's good. And the reason why you know what's good is because God has taught you in 
your heart. He's written it upon your heart what is good. So the evil that happens, we need to start putting blame where blame is due. This is Satan's realm right now, everybody. Satan is the prince of the power of the air. Remember that. Jesus Christ in the second coming is coming back to take possession of the earth. So when something happens in your life, you need to say, Satan stinks. And I know he hates me, but God loves me. And that's why we're suffering like we are right now, because Satan is running around. And it's going to get worse, by the way. He's got a long leash right now. But listen, Christ is going to come back and fix it. I've heard a lot of children ask this question. Where are dinosaurs in the Bible and what happened to them? Read the book of Job. Dinosaurs in the Bible. Uh, what happened to them? We know that what happened to them probably was the flood. The flood probably took care of the dinosaurs as we know them. Um, remember this, that the structures of dinosaurs, which are awesome, bones of dinosaurs, which are awesome, um, I'm not sure right now to date if we have an actual full dinosaur intact. So a lot of uh, dinosaurs that you and I know and love are conjecture regarding what they look like. However, dinosaurs are real. Their bones are real. Uh, but the flood, when you examine the effects of the flood, like in the Grand Canyon and in uh, Paluxy, Texas, uh, and in other places, Nevada, Utah, other parts of the world, uh, notice that we've got dinosaur bones intermingled with human bones. That's fascinating. Why? Because they perished in the flood. And um, so, yes, on dinosaurs, read the book of Job. He talks about the behemoth that swings his tail and knocks down the forest. How do you respond to people who believe their good works will get them to heaven? You're going to hell. Uh, how do I respond to people who think their good works are going to get them into heaven? You're going to hell. Because if good works could get you to heaven, then what in the world was Jesus doing on the cross? The Bible says he died for the, all the sins of the world. That uh, The book of Galatians, the book of Romans, tells us that by the works of the flesh, by the works of righteousness, no flesh shall be justified in the sight of God. Don't fool yourself. If you think you're good enough, then you've got a really bizarre God who tortured himself on the cross. Well, guess what? A very, very, very good God came to die for a very, very, very bad person, including you, because you and I cannot save ourselves. And that's why he came. So don't think for a moment. Uh, let me add this. Good works should follow those who believe, but don't ever put good works in front of your belief. That's works, unacceptable to God, and that's hell. Don't do it. What is the age of accountability? Oh, man, I didn't hear. There it is. Next question, please. What is the age of accountability? We don't know. Now, in the Jewish tradition, ba mitzvah or bar mitzvah for the young boy or the young girl, age of 13, that's when they become like a young adult. Uh, so some people will equate that to accountability. You can't do that. Accountability is based upon each individual's age of being able to process, understand right and wrong, the gospel, conviction of sin, and the need for salvation. Accountability is when your child is predominantly going through teen rebellion. You know how your teenager drives you nuts? The reason why they're starting to drive you nuts is because they're departing from your faith, covering, and they're going out now, and they're, they're testing authority. They are re, re, uh, resisting authority because why? They're moving out from your faith, and they're searching for their own. So don't despise that. Pray for them, but we can't set the date on exactly when.
Will we all live in Jerusalem when we rule and reign with God, or will some of us live in other countries? Uh, read Revelation chapter 21, because Jerusalem is going to descend out of heaven, and it is going to sit upon the new earth, and it is a city. Not the one in, in Israel today. The new Jerusalem comes down out of heaven, and it's 1,400 miles squared. That's just the city. And the Bible says that we will go in and out of that city. And where will we go? We will go to, Book of Revelation says, nations. There's going to be nations in the world in eternity. And in fact, the Bible says that the kings of the world will bring their wealth into the city. It's going to be awesome. By the way, I think you should look at great paintings, oil paintings, that depict places like uh, Yosemite Valley or Yellowstone. The, the, it's all going to be renewed. Think about the Garden of Eden on steroids. It's going to be awesome. And you're going to love it. It's going to be amazing. But Jerusalem is going to be new, and it's 1,400 miles in square. Does the Holy Spirit inhabit us the moment we become believers, or do we ask the Holy Spirit to come upon us daily? Yes. Number one, the moment you accept Christ, the Holy Spirit comes to dwell inside, and you are sealed by the Holy Spirit until the day of redemption. That means when your body is uh, resurrected or raptured. So the moment you accept Christ, the Holy Spirit moves inside, okay? The second thing is, every believer from that moment on, we don't ask the Spirit to move inside of us from that moment on. We're only saved once. We ask the Holy Spirit to come upon us. Here's the difference in the words. Indwelling is the Greek word en, to indwell. The Holy Spirit coming upon you is the Greek word epi, epi. And the Holy Spirit, we ask, Lord, come upon me today to live a life with your power, to your glory, to give you honor and praise, and uh, walk with me, Lord, with power. He's in you already, but you ask for the power from above that he might lead and guide you. So you want to look at Ephesians chapter 1 on this. Um, wow. John chapter 15 to John chapter 17 as well. Why did God create the earth and humans if he knew we would fail him all the time? The answer is in Ephesians chapter 1. Believe it or not, he says there that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he will show forth his grace toward those who believe forever. So this is the amazing thing. Don't ever think that God doesn't love you in light of that great question. He knew, because he can't learn anything, he's God. He knew that when Adam and Eve were given the choice to exercise free will, he knew in advance that they would rebel against him. And he went through with the deal anyway. Would you? I wouldn't. I would have just flushed the whole thing down the toilet, but not God. He is a God of restoration, redemption, and renewal. And so he is going to display his love factor for you, to you, for us all, for all eternity. That's why he went through with it. It doesn't make sense to us now because we cannot relate to that depth of love. Look at that. Next question. Did Jesus create the world or the Father? God created the world. Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The word is Elohim. El is God. Im, I am, is plural. A singular plurality created all that there is. However, they did this in tandem. 
The Bible says the Holy Spirit brooded upon the waters of the deep, right? The Bible tells us in numerous places, book of Hebrews, Colossians, and uh, other portions of Scripture that Jesus Christ is, in fact, the creator of angels and the material universe, which makes sense. He's a carpenter, right? Makes total sense to me. So look at it this way. The three of them worked in unison as the construction company of all that there is, both spiritual uh, and physical. Jesus is the a builder and maker. He's the creator. He was the contractor. But all of it was in perfect unity with the Godhead, the Trinity. Who were the sons of God in Genesis 6-2? Genesis 6-2, people are going to freak out, but there's no way around it. There's just no other argument. I don't care what anybody says. They're wasting their time. And that is this. The sons of God in the Old Testament are strictly referred to angelic creations. And Genesis 6 uh, talks about the sons of God saw that the daughters of man, the daughters of mankind saw that they were beautiful and seized them, captured them, took them not against their wind, against their will, seemingly, by the way, and cohabitated with them. These are fallen angels, one third of the heavenly host. Uh, Jude and Peter tell us that these these are specially held under chains of darkness because why they as angels went after strange flesh isn't that creepy and so it, by the way it's going to happen again according to the bible we're going to talk about that on a sunday sermon coming up real soon but they are fallen angels that cohabitated with human females for those who die without accepting Jesus, is there a chance that they may still go to heaven once God judges them according to their deeds? Absolutely not. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27 says, It's appointed unto every man once to die, and then comes their judgment. The question, I'm guessing, is very rooted in Mormonism or Catholicism. There's no such thing as purgatory. That was made up by the Catholic Church. And Mormons believe that they're going to be judged from Revelation chapter 20, but tragically, Mormons are not reading their Bible, chapter 20, carefully enough. All those who are judged according to their works in Revelation 20 are condemned to hell. Read it carefully. When the books are opened and you are judged uh, by your works, everyone after the judgments cast into hell. The judgment for the unbelievers is to determine the level of punishment. Listen, the believer is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. We're not judged by our works. We're rewarded for our faithfulness regarding our salvation and our love for Christ. That's a very important thing to remember. Make sure you know the difference because there's an eternal destination at stake. How does the Sabbath apply to us Christians? Uh, the book of Colossians, read the first three chapters. To the Christian, listen, when I say Christian, can I say Christ follower instead? Because that includes Jew. If you are a Jew, if you're a Muslim, if you're a Hindu, and you, you decide to make a decision for Jesus, you, you accept Christ. Um, the Sabbath, the Bible says, written in the Ten Commandments, was only a symbol or a shadow or a, or a type of that which was to come. And Colossians says that Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of the Sabbath. So every day of my life is a Sabbath. Just because you take the day off and you don't uh, press the elevator button because you can't do any work on the Sabbath doesn't mean you're holy. Uh, it's ridiculous. The Bible says that Jesus fulfilled the law. You can't. And by the way, if you're going to keep the Sabbath, why don't you keep all other nine of them? The answer is you can't. That's what Jesus is for. So I have a Sabbath every day because he's my eternal rest. Make sense? 
I don't I don't rest one day of the week. I rest whenever I get a chance and what Do you think the beast in Revelation is actually technology? Um remember there's Satan. There is the beast which is the antichrist and then there's the image of the beast. One's a machine, the image of the beast. One is a man, the Antichrist, and the other one is Satan, an unholy trinity, okay? I believe that AI, okay, I, I confess, I'm going to hurry, I, gotta, I want to answer this. I hold this view myself, so I'm to blame if it goes wrong. I believe the image of the beast is mechanical. The Bible says power is going to be given it that it can both speak and discern who's got the mark of the mark of the Antichrist. I believe that AI is going to be this image, but I believe a demon is going to bring its bring that image consciousness. It's going to appear to be so human-like, even though you know it's not. It's going to be so convincing, and it's going to have powers because it'd be demonic consciousness possessing an AI machine. What should we say to Christians that don't vote in elections that think we should stay out of politics? Thanks for messing everything up. Christians who don't do the right thing have just messed everything up. That's how this nation got to where it is today. Sir Robert Burke. No, no. Sir something. Anyway, Sir Edmund Burke. Thank you. And Parliament said it right. All that evil needs to do to triumph is for good people to do nothing. All that America needs to do is to keep people like Biden and lunatics in office, including a lot of Republicans, is for Christians to say, I'm not going to vote. I'm just going to let evil continue because I guess my vote doesn't matter. Boy, you're going to get a shockeroonie when God judges you in heaven as a believer for the opportunity he gave you to make a difference and you didn't take it. You were faithful at nothing. Because you didn't get involved. You, you had a light and you hid it under your basket. And that's not going to go well for you. I vote every time for a biblical worldview. If I win or not, I still win no matter the results of the election. That's what happens. Next question. Five more. When the rapture happens, will the dead in Christ bust the ground open? Or will they be like Jesus after he rose? He was walking through. I have often imagined that so many times. And I want to be at Forest Lawn doing a funeral when we put somebody in the ground and the trumpet blows and they pop out, the dirt goes everywhere. No, I don't think dirt goes anywhere. Why? Because exactly what uh, we'll have the, re the resurrected glorified bodies such as Christ. We will come out of that casket or out of that sea or out of that mountainside or out of that riverbed or wherever our, our dust is at and uh we won't disturb any rocks or trees or whatever because that doesn't make any sense we'll have a glorified body because the bible tells us that when jesus was resurrected we're gonna have a body just like him he walked through walls but he ate fish remember that on the morning after the resurrection he uh on the north shore uh of galilee he had fish tacos for them for breakfast and he cooked it himself and they came and they ate and Jesus was with them, but the food didn't fall through and hit, his, hit the ground. Uh, it's amazing. You're going to have a glorified body, which is going to be incredibly. Uh, Can a person spend eternity in heaven if they take their own life? Yes. Jesus died for all manner of sin. Don't think for a moment. Listen, Catholic friends, you're being told by the Catholic Church that somebody could be. In fact, Catholic Church people, you know this. If Mother Teresa would have committed suicide two minutes before she died, she would have gone to 
your purgatory, which doesn't exist, or hell. Guess what? That's false. I am not endorsing suicide. That's, that's wrong to do. But Jesus died for all manner of sin. So here's the thing. When somebody is either suicidal because of depression, hormone, overwhelmed by issues, whatever it might be, grief, and you can't judge them in that situation. You even know what that's like. Uh, the blood of Christ has taken care of that. He died for all sin. There is no unforgivable sin except one, and that is never receiving Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Don't be lied to about this terrible uh, manipulation that it's, it's automatic hell for you. It's not. But by all means, don't take your life. That's not your business. You don't have that authority. Since Jesus paid the price for our sins, how does the law of reaping what you sow still play out? Uh, because I can be completely born again right now, as I am, and I can decide to disobey God in one direction. And I'm going to, uh, for example, I could backslide today, get drunk, drive down the freeway, crash the car, and wind up spending a year in the hospital. What's wrong with that message? Nothing. I'm reaping what I'm sowing. I was stupid, and I did stupid, and so now I'm feeling the pain of stupid, okay? It doesn't have anything to do with my salvation. Flip that around. As a born-again Christian, if I obey God today and do the right thing, then I can count on God to wind up blessing my obedience to him. Because why? Because he says he blesses obedience. Uh, Galatians 6, verse 7. Be not deceived, for God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. So think about that. Do the right thing. Be blessed. It's the best way to live. Will we have memories of our loved ones after we are raptured? Will we know if they have ever existed? It's believed by theologians. I have to preface it that way. I have my, my conviction on this. But... Um, it is believed by theologians and throughout church history that in heaven, there comes some point in time where you have no knowledge of those who were never born into the family. So if you have a husband that's not born again, you're not going to be walking around heaven saying, oh my gosh, I miss him so much. He was never born. You get that? He was never born again into the family of God. Now at this moment in this time zone right now, do people in heaven have an idea of what's going on here on earth. The book of Revelation seems to suggest they do. But remember, they live in a state that is not like us. They see things differently than you and I do now. However, there will be a time when that loved one or person that was never born again, they'll never be remembered. There'll be no remembrance of them because they were never born again into the family. You've, you, you. Last question. Is water baptism required for salvation? No, but it's awesome for public display. Did you know that? So what's equivalent to, this is kind of weird, but what's equivalent to a Jew in circumcision? Circumcision is an outward display to a Jew that they've, that they've been committed to Yahweh. But the Jews trust in circumcision, and God says from Old to New Testament, you made a big mistake and trusting in an outward circumcision. He says in Isaiah, I want your heart circumcised. He says it again in Romans. We get water baptized after we've been born again. 
when we've repented of our sins and given our lives to Jesus Christ and we confess Christ as Lord and Savior, the, the next thing is to publicly make that display. Remember what Jesus said? If you acknowledge me before men, I will acknowledge you before my Father which is in heaven. Water baptism is a, is a public display of an internal commitment that you've made. That's how people know you're a Christ follower. Go get baptized because why? Because you were already saved. Yeah. Hey, listen, uh, if this if this was fun, if you want to let people know about this, you can subscribe. You can stay up to date, of course, right here. Uh, you can share it. That would really encourage us if you share it. That's the best thing you can do. If you could say, Jack, uh, how can we encourage you? Well, pray and then share. Sharing is the most important thing. Uh, but uh, listen, it's time for us. This is part of it, too. It's time for us to live out what we believe in. It's time for real life, and that's what we're about. God bless you guys. This Jack Hibbs podcast, as well as all the broadcast outreach opportunities, are listener-supported. Will you consider partnering with us through a special gift? Go to jackhibbs.com to learn more and stay connected.